There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to everybody who's listening to today's Business Elevation Show. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you, uh, firstly, to my guest last week. Uh, I interviewed Carlin Pipes and... Uh, for those of you who listen to the show, you'll know that Carlin uh, was a world champion swimmer at the age of 15. And then, uh, in, in her own words, she became an alcoholic. She was drinking a bottle of vodka a day. And it took her till about the age of 31 for her to uh, re- sort of change her ways. Uh, she called it, called it a do-over. And incredibly, since the age of 31, she's achieved 220 world swimming records. So a really inspirational guest. So if you know anybody who's dealing with any kind of an addiction uh, or anybody you know, in the office or at home or family or whatever, I think it's a really interesting interview uh, for people to listen to. Uh, and we talked a bit about how do you approach uh, those kinds of issues with uh, with employees and friends and that sort of thing as well. So uh, if you want some inspiration, do go back and listen to that show in the archive. So today we're going to talk about strategic change and how consultants help in the strategic change process. Now where this came from was that I recently ran a two-day uh, MBA training program on the subject um, at a university in the United Kingdom. It's called Nottingham Trent University with a wonderful group of MBA students and it's it made sense actually to share the lessons and learnings because what it really did for me was it made me realize uh, how much experience I've now amassed with consultancy change projects. I think the students found it very valuable that I'd had lots of uh, examples and experiences and trials and tribulations on that journey. So uh, we thought today that we would cover this subject and I'm really uh, delighted uh, today to have this deep conversation with my colleague um, the employment, engagement, and leadership, and training and development expert John Jennings. Now, John is going to take the lead in interviewing me today, and um, we'll also, I'm sure, share some of his views and opinions as well. And John spent 34 years developing teams and leading teams globally, working for major brands in the UK and California. He's also uh, led many uh, change projects as well. He regularly lectures as well, and like myself, and presents on the key competitive advantages that business leaders gain by uh, placing an employee-centric approach at the heart of business strategy. He's, you know, we're big into employee engagement. He's a former branch chairman of the Institute of Directors, uh, and he works alongside me delivering engagement strategy um, programs, leadership, and team development programs. So, big welcome to my uh, my host for today, uh, Mr. John Jennings. Well, thank you very much indeed, Chris, and hello, everybody. Um, before I start on, uh, on what is effectively turning the tables on Chris and asking him the questions rather than the other way around, let me just tell you a little bit more about uh, Chris Cooper, particularly for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time. So at, at Chris Cooper Business Elevation, um, we do many things, but primarily we act as a catalyst to support the transition of businesses, leaders and teams to higher levels of performance. And that often means undertaking pretty big strategic change projects. Um, while acting as the consultants, as the catalysts for, for that change. Uh, and quite often we find that these projects revolve around our favourite subject of employee engagement. 
Now, Chris has over 25 years of experience of leading developing UK and international teams, and that includes leading and delivering change projects. And as the host of the Business Elevation Show, for those of you who are regular listeners, will know that now for almost six years, he's interviewed and gained insights from some tremendous characters, particularly in the areas of team development, uh, as well as many other disciplines, and uh, certainly on the subject of, of strategic change. It therefore makes sense for, for me to, uh, as I said at the, at the start of the program, to turn the tables on Chris uh, and to make this hopefully a content-rich interview uh, designed for anybody who wants to understand more about change in consultancy. So, Chris, let's go. Um, I thought that before we, uh, before we really get into um, uh, the meat of the uh, interview, uh, I'd ask why does strategic change particularly interest you? I think... For me, I think uh, change is all around us, and uh, today change can be very disruptive in its its nature with the speed of technology and that sort of thing. And uh, and organisations today really do need to shift and adapt. And and if I look back from my career, and it was really actually the 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 program just a few weeks ago that made me realise just how many of these projects I've been involved in, and actually uh, how rewarding some of them have been. Uh, and therefore, I think, you know, I find myself in situations where I got involved in all sorts of change projects from the beginning of my career. I was involved in one in the motor industry, which was about introducing uh, sort of chilled vehicles um, when there was changes in legislation. And we went out and developed a strategy around this. And then we went out and developed training programs and took vehicles around to see de- dealers around the country. And so there was uh, something there that, you know, responded to a market change. I was also involved in uh, in various projects at uh, Mars, but at United Biscuits, uh, one of my projects I loved was when we centralized procurement, uh, which had a huge impact. We had people in, in France, Belgium, Holland, Spain, all sorts of different buying teams and mm-hmm. different companies. And, you know, we had to work hard to really bring those people on and engage them. But when we did, and it all worked out well, it was a, a very rewarding project to have you know, make such a difference. And I've gone through my career doing various different projects, which have been about, you know, adapting to change and, and implementing and developing strategy and the thinking around uh, these different areas. And we've ended up really doing that as a living. I had a, a procurement consultancy for three years, and we spent three years doing that, um, in doing cost-based reduction uh, program, change programs in companies and saving them lots of money. And then now you and I uh, and uh, others involved with us, we get involved with, employee engagement type programs sure. and change programs, which impact people and, you know, by their nature, they mean disruption and some pain, but ultimately that pain often leads to really positive gain. Okay. So at a basic level, how would you define what strategic change really is? I think, I think strategic change is something which is often a response to a need which relates to maybe a change in the environment or or a change needed in an organisation. I think it can mean that it's about um, about you know a, making change to um, a, a business is is plan or planning process due to uh, a scenario in the marketplace. So it might just be that strategically you've made a decision that you're going to change something. So it might be you want to put a new employee benefit system in across your company internationally or, or, or across a marketplace so you want to even build you know a brand new um, central head 
which that impacts change and the way people do things. Uh, so there can be all there can be all sorts of different um, uh, projects, and those projects can relate to you know ch- shifts in a corporation's or company's policies. It can be uh, an adjustment to you know let's go and let's go and um, let's go and take advantage of a new marketplace that we've never taken advantage before. Or it could be that uh, a company adjusts its mission and decides that actually, you know, it wants to make a different contribution in a different area, or it goes and buys a new business, which has then has a big impact. It could be organizational structural change. So, you know, it's change, it's change, and it's uh, it, it's thinking it through strategically and coming up with solutions and approach and implementing it. Okay, so. Why do you think the subject of strategic change is so important for organizations today? Well, I think the reason for it is that you know, those companies who fail to adapt to change fail. <laughs> and there have been so many examples of that, haven't there, of organizations who've just not made that change. So Kodak was one of those, which you know, they didn't adapt to the change in terms of digital film. Um, and... If you think about blockbuster video, you know, I don't know if you remember some people. I do, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Did you go and get your videos from blockbuster? Once upon a time, yeah. And now what do we do is we go and dial in from home and we order them from Netflix or or from Amazon. Um, And talking about Amazon, you know, they've had a huge impact on so many people. Uh, Toys R Us was one of those those companies that supplied toys. We go in Christmas and buy all of our toys from a giant warehouse. People do that from home. So there's all this disruption that's occurred in all sorts of different markets. And if people don't adapt to that, then they fail. And then, of course, there's change that's maybe needed about taking advantage of some of these opportunities. You know, we've got to be, we've got to be kind of fleet of foot. And, you know, you look at some of the businesses like Uber and Airbnb and Snapchat and Tesla. You know, they have just come into a, to new marketplaces or they've, they've changed additional marketplaces and just turn those industry sectors on the head. So things are happening very quick today, and we have to really be aware as an employee that uh, that we have as, now as part of our jobs, we have to respond well to change because that's actually part of the reason we're employed. Sure, and I guess a message certainly for all organisations is if you don't change, you will uh, you're going to suffer. Yeah, certainly by the competition. And interesting, you mentioned Tesla, who today have. Uh, I see you've announced the first the, the first release and production of an electronic truck, electric truck that can actually drive itself as a range of 500 miles. So great example of disruptive change, which uh, Elon Musk and his company are in- introducing uh, into, into that market in the US. Well, isn't it interesting? You, you and I, just before we started this, we were talking about the, the sort of concept of smart goals. Sure. And one of the, the things people always say with smart goals, you know, it's specific, measurable, achievable realistic and timed and you know so many of us limit limit our thinking by what's achievable or attainable mm. and if you look at people like Elon Musk who wants to kind of change the world and be able to take us up to Mars and you know some of those things people would have just said you know that's not attainable to bring up to bring up a create an electric car and have you know a valuation of company that he has uh, would to many people have just been on a completely unattainable um, but today, change is such that some companies, and I think it's about 50 net companies now who weren't around 10 years ago, who are you know, over the billion pound mark. Sure. So Very interesting. Now, you mentioned in your, uh, in your intro that you've been having some fun teaching 
executive MBA students uh, on the subject of strategic change and consultancy. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, well, yeah, I think you know for for MBA students and you know, anybody who's really studying today, as we, we we've talked about, change is something that is a fundamental part now of sure. of our requirements and needs. If we're in business, <coughs> we've got to, to got to adapt. So you know, this is a really important part of a module within there. Uh, kind of developments, and I think what I, you know, really got through that process was actually how valuable the subject is. But then, what we, what the students were then going on to do was to also to um, do some consultancy projects themselves and help companies around strategic change. So, you know, we, you know, we we had some real fun over over the couple of days, um, and uh, you know, you know, we we just love working with MBAs, don't we? And sure. We people are there; they're really keen to learn. And we come and make things fun and uh, and engaging, which are quite sometimes lecturing isn't always that way. Sure. Um, so you know we love doing what we do, so we always enjoy it and always have a good time, and uh, and people always uh, seem to enjoy that experience with us. What kind of things do the, do the students pick up from you that that you know you think oh, that's a really valuable lesson for them to have learned? I think the. In, you know, in summary to it, and we'll talk about you know what is consultancy and that sort of thing, and what is change sure. and how how it works. But I think the I think the benefit that I bring and you bring and other people who've had you know we just thought that you've got thirty four years of experience. I think I've got you know twenty six or twenty seven, sure. which obviously means you're a little bit older than me, which uh, <laughs> means somebody is, which is great. Surely not. <laughs> um, what uh, I think that does is, you know, we've been around, haven't we? And we've been involved in these projects. We've yeah. been delivering them. We've seen the, we felt the, we felt the elation when they've gone well. We felt the pain of when things haven't gone well. Yep. You know, we've probably realised, I think, that, and this is one of the big takeouts for the, for the students, is that actually, if you want to make any of these projects work, it's all about a lot of it's about people. Sure. About how you get on with them, how you influence them, how you involve them, how you engage them, how you read them, and I think. A lot of people forget that, and I think some of the big consultancies sometimes they forget that their people are not necessarily, you know, trained to be as emotionally intelligent as they could be, and uh, I think you know that sometimes means that those sorts of projects people don't deliver as well, and the results that in, in teams of, of highly experienced leaders and, and who go back and deliver these sorts of projects for people, uh, you know, they don't deliver the results. Sure, sure, that's interesting. So. When you're talking to the students and, and based on your experience uh, of, of being a, a catalyst for strategic change in businesses, what are the common traps that people f- fall into when it comes to approaching such a, a big subject as this? Well, I think I, I think in terms of change in general, uh, I, think, I, I think people need to understand the structure and the flow and that sort of thing. But I think when it comes to clients, and, and we, if we talk, we talk there about Kodak, and there's you know examples of you know Motorola in the uh, in the mobile phone sector and uh, you know Nokia struggled didn't they sure. uh, in, in, in phones I think uh, I think there was, uh, several kind of reasons why people get caught out and I think those reasons include things like the you know there's a physical kind of trap so for example you know hotel chains. They've got a big infrastructure of buildings that have got to be heated with people in them who run them, uh, and they've got to be managed. They've got to be cleaned. Airbnb comes along; they don't own the assets, 
you know, they're using other people's homes sure. in empty space, and they're and, and they're um, suddenly becoming hoteliers themselves. So there's uh, people stuck with this physical trap, and then you've got a psychological trap of like um, Kodak with the with the film of actually a strategy says we go this way. Uh, you know, it's, it's too difficult to move move the you know move the truck. You know, sure. it's a bit like the Titanic's going towards the iceberg. Um, and I suppose it's also, you know, maybe de- denial, it's not going to happen, it's not going to... We're too big to fail. We're too big to fail, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. there's a number of things that can can really hold us back. Sure, okay. Um, just as a lead into uh, into the, into part two, which we'll go into uh, after the commercial break, what, what might people consider when they're involving consultants in a project? Oh, my word. Um, what might they consider? Yeah. Uh, I think probably the... The, you know, consultancy can be internal kind of consultants and go and maybe work on projects around the business. Um, you know, what we're partly talking about here, because that's us, we're external. I think I think one of the, the great benefits of having external people working on the, on your business and coming in is their impartiality and all of the experience and wisdom they bring from other projects or the sectors or the marketplaces. Uh, and I think sometimes it's, it's impossible to make the shift uh, without having, um, you know, some, some external... Uh, support who can really um, hold the mirror up to you and, uh, and 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 let you really see things as they really are. Okay, well we're fast approaching the commercial break, so hopefully everybody tune back in after the uh, after you've heard the uh, the commercials and um, let's let's develop that little theme a bit more. Talk a little bit more about why consultants and then what qualities good consultants can bring to uh, to strategic change in a business. So stay tuned and speak to you ho- soon. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. So, welcome back, everybody. Uh, As you know from listening to the first part of our program, the tables have been turned today, and Chris is in the hot seat answering questions from me, John Jennings. Uh, And we've been talking about strategic change and consultancy. We finished off just before the break talking about why businesses might consider involving consultants in in strategic change projects. Um, So a a great follow-up to that, I guess, is to uh, to, to draw on your experience, Chris, and and talk about what the sort of qualities are that if if I'm a a business owner looking to uh, implement a a big-scale change project, um, strategic change, what are the sort of qualities that I would be looking for in a consultant to help me uh, deliver those sort of projects? I think, I think you need a number of skills. So you need people who've got a you know good focus on the client. So it's about it's about the client. It's about understanding the client's needs. I think they have to be very good at being able to develop relationships and uh, very good at applying expertise and knowledge, good at doing some research, uh, be results focused uh, and, and, and knowledgeable. Um, I think one of the, the key things uh, for me, though, would be there've got to be people who are prepared to make a really, really positive impact. And, you know, a, a good consultant will also tell you it be prepared to tell you it as it as it is sure um but so i think they've got to be very um they've got to be both kind of left brain in terms of being able to do you know analysis and process and that sort of thing and get to uh, an understanding of what the scenario is and 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 be able to plan and project plan but they also have to have really good people skills and good influencing and communication skills and you know having somebody who has all of those abilities is often quite rare so sometimes a team of people who come in who who play different roles to enable a project to move forward and move forward well sure one thing i've always found as well is that a a great skill for some of the great consultants that have come in and helped me uh, when i've been running businesses or involved in a senior position in business is is to have great listening skills not only do they have maybe a a bank of questions that they're going to ask but they're very good at listening to the answers and actually then tailoring their approach to, ah, okay, because no two businesses are the same. Have you found yes. that as well? Yeah, I think that's very, very true. And, of course, there's, you know, there's somebody who's great at maybe communicating and talking, often naturally in their style they're not so good at listening, they're not so well developed. Sure. Or, you know, or somebody who's very good at listening, um, often I think people who are a little bit more on the sort of left brain continuum are better at listening then those people are more communicative. The challenge can be is often they sit quietly and they don't communicate. So I think it's you know, it's managing to balance that. I suppose there's something you know in terms of a consultant though. If a project is say you know for example a project's about employee engagement, you know you should really be contracting with people who've got you know technical competence and knowledge about that area, and that's really important. Not people who jump from one to another to another, but people who you know really bring in that. A few weeks ago, we had Jeremy Bowley on talking about disruptive procurement. You know, got a huge, a huge uh, knowledge around disruptive procurement. So, you know, a, a consultant on a procurement project and I used to have a procurement business needed to really understand the category ideally. Sure. Uh, so, 
I suppose there's one other thing I, I would say too is the world of consultancy where people are out there um, often working on sociable hours, often traveling to clients' offices. I think it really helps if you are, you know, in physically in a good place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having emotional maturity as well. And because uh, I, I think it can be, you know, it can be difficult if people um, are, you know, tired and, uh, and, and not. So I think looking after yourself is important. Sure. Okay. When, um, moving on to, to the kind of stages that a strategic change initiative or program might go through what uh, what kind of models did, w- would you follow what what would you say are the stages that uh, that a business could go through to ensure that they're going to get uh, the best possible outcomes yeah I, I think there are yeah there's a number of, um, of kind of models and things that people people use and I, I think I think that you know there's models like there's a loose model which he talks about uh, when the model talks about kind of looking at the situation freezing and uh, going through a transition and then uh, unfreezing uh, the uh, the situation at the end of it. Uh, I think uh, one of the models that I think is is um, particularly uh, good. Um, it talks about. I'm just trying to trying to think now what it was called. My mind is. Uh, is, uh, is is struggling a little bit at the minute. One, one, of, the, one of the models that we... we you use Cotter quite a bit, yeah, don't you? Cotter, yeah, Cotter, isn't it? Yeah, Cotter. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Cotter is good because it shows the different stages in uh, the, the sort of transition of a, of a project. And... Because, um, of course, that Cotter always starts with that sort of... Um, a great one for me has always been well you know there's no time to do it like the present so establish a sense of urgency yeah that's Absol- always the first step with Cotter absolutely so so you start a sense of a start with a sense of urgency by getting people to um, to really feel the climate the need for the change so you need to get people um, working hard and uh, energized around the change that you're going to make happen uh, I think clear that you've got to make what Cotter talks about is making really powerful coalitions with people, really connecting with uh, the right people to help the project happen. Because you, you know this, John, if you've, if you've got somebody in a senior team, for example, or often in any team who doesn't believe, absolutely, yeah. then they can often be enough to sabotage the project. Sure. And what um, the Cotter model also talks about is about you know, creating a vision for change. And that vision needs to be really compelling and you have to communicate that compelling vision so that people start to get en- energized and start to get engaged around the change uh, and then you're really enabling the organization so you, know, you might find that you've got to go and build sub teams um, so a project i was involved in recently was a, a big build project a, a new development we're fast approaching the commercial break so hopefully everybody tune back in after the uh after you've heard the uh, the commercials. So, stay tuned and speak to you ho- soon. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. 
Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Okay, so welcome back, everybody. As you will know from uh, the, our earlier session, it's John Jennings today interviewing Chris Cooper. So the tables have been turned, and Chris and I have been talking about strategic change and consultancy. Um, and the, uh, the the issue that we were dealing with um, was to talk about what are the, uh, the the typical stages that a strategic change initiative might go through in a company, and how do you make that come alive as a consultant? So, Chris, take us through those. Yeah, sure. We 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 uh, had a little break uh, accidentally due to technology. For anybody who's listening live, and uh, I'm not quite sure where we got to, but we were talking about really creating a sense of urgency at the beginning of a project, about forming powerful coalitions with people um, to get them engaged around the project, creating a vision that's really, really compelling. And what this does, it creates the climate for change. Uh, And then what we need to do is we've got to really communicate uh, that vision uh, uh, to people and get them excited about it and empower action. Of course, within this process, uh, we have to um, you know, do some research and analysis and decide on the best way to move things forward, the best way to implement things. What we want to do, we want to achieve some quick wins. So we want to achieve some results uh, quickly. And then we, we, we build on that change um, after those, those quick wins. We start delivering more and more value through the project and get closer to uh, the end result that we want. But we've also got to do often with the project is make it stick. So ensure that that change that has happened doesn't migrate back to what was there before, uh, that people see it through to its uh, end end sort of continuum. Okay, so typically when you've been involved in strategic change uh, programs, how how have you made this, uh, got this process to really come alive? And what, what do you think the really important parts of it are? Uh, well, I think there's lots, of, there's lots of important parts of it. You've got to get it right from the outset. I mean, the consultant's uh, role at the outset of any projects is to understand very clearly about what the brief's about yeah. and what it is that we, we need to do. And you've got to do that with the client. So you've got to right at the very front uh, understand that clearly. And I think, you know, you have to do the diagnostic is important to understand what's the situation truly. And often we use various different tools and methodologies to do that. Sure. Um, but I think what's really important is, is it's going to fail if people resist uh, it's going to fail if people aren't bought in. Yeah. So you've got to buy, get people bought in to what you're actually doing. Now, sometimes you've got a, you know, a powerful board that may make it happen whatever. 
and uh, and then people just have to have to like it and sometimes you take people through a process kicking and screaming and and I've done that. And I'm sure you've done that. And I've even had them at the end of the process saying, actually, didn't didn't enjoy that whatsoever. But actually, thank you, because actually <laughs> I had to change my thinking on that journey. Sure. Um, uh, and I think the important thing, one thing is you've got, to, you've got to see seeds. You've got to see results coming through fairly quickly. Otherwise, people will get cynical and, and sure. you know, not make it happen. So, you know, we I remember working in a, an insurance group. We did a major training and development an issue a situation we had to also it was involved with changing culture and um, within six weeks there was all sorts of green shoots you know we planted these seeds and all sorts of things started to happen you know new new um, uh, sales were won and people started to have a different attitude in the office but people were much more cheery they were more more engaged and, and upbeat and it became very visible to people and they knew actually we need to continue this and we need to really follow it through okay now you mentioned a a really important element of of any project regardless whether it's strategic change or or another subject how do you and that was the brief so how do you ensure that that you get that brief absolutely clear up front from day one what's your what's the process thought process you would go through yeah the the thought process i often with with change projects develop a project charter with people and that is uh, getting helping to tease out what is actually the objective and the outcome, what's in scope, what's the timing, who are the stakeholders that are going to be involved, uh, and, uh, uh, and what are the results that we're expecting you know, financially, those sorts of things. And by going through that process and asking questions, asking questions about, you know, actually, why do you want to do this? Why, why now? Why, you know, why is this really important to the organization? Uh, you know, what changes are you responding to? What have you tried before? Uh, and you know what, what's your thinking about how this might might play out? Uh, you know where do you really value um, that, that your help from the consultant? You know when are you expecting this to be finished? What sort of results would you expect? What what would be the contribution to you know the business in terms of profit or in terms of risk reduction if this project was to go ahead? Uh, and uh, so I think the, the kind of the why, the what, you know, the where, so which, okay. uh, in which locations, which countries, um, the who, which, which who's, you know, who the people that are affected. Sometimes there's cultural diversity and, and different geographies. I remember doing a project with a, a big drinks company and we were, it was, a, it was a procurement project, a global one, you know, that had impact on people in different markets and different time zones and we've got to get the message across. So you need to understand the people. You need to understand who are maybe people who might be resisting this to this project, who we need to give special attention to, uh, and uh, you know when when does it need to occur, and also you know we just start we then start to think about how can we make it happen, and often you you know, involve the client in that process as well. Otherwise, you, you they got preconceived ideas, and you come up with something completely different. Uh, you may not win the brief. <laughs> right. Okay. So you've got to you know think around that. Right. How would you how would you go about completing uh, the diagnostic stage of a change project? So what what sort of things when you go in as a consultant do you really need to understand to get uh, to get the process off to a flyer? I think it depends what the project is. So okay, uh, you know it may be. So you and I work on engagement. Yeah. So with regards to engagement, what we need to understand is what's the current situation. Sure. So, you know, we currently utilize a tool called Engagement Multiplier. If people go to the, are interested in engagement, if you go to the 
um, the, the, look at the show. Uh, at the top, there's a banner, and you can click on that, and you can. There's a video about what engagement multiplies about. Uh, but what that does is it's a survey for all staff, and it's, it's, underta- it's undertaken quarterly. That gives us lots of information about uh, about um, how people are actually feeling in the current situation. Now, uh, it might be if it was a project, for example, around uh, procurement. So with procurement, what we used to do is we would um, look at all of the costs in the com- country, company, sorry, and we would compare those costs versus you know, what we knew um, the cost of those prices in the marketplace were from all of our benchmarking, all the other companies who work. So that would be a diagnostic. Um, if it was culture uh, change, then, you know, we, I've sometimes used the value centers models. But also in terms of our thinking, so other models and tools people can use in terms of thinking when, when sort of strategizing and, and coming to outcomes. You know, people use SWOTs and Pestle and, you know, Porter and sure. all sorts of different models that, that consultants use to help them uh, come to evaluate different ideas, think in a different way, test different concepts, and ultimately come out with you know, strategies and solutions that are going to work and are going to take you uh, away from this problem to you know, a much more positive um, and, um, set of results. Okay. Now, you, you've, you just mentioned right at the end the results. So being very mindful of the wise words you issued around following the Cotter model and, and, and getting some quick wins. Even though I couldn't remember its name. Yeah, I couldn't remember its name, but, uh, uh, well, you probably use it as second nature without having to attach a label to it, I guess. But you, you talked then about, yes, get some quick wins and, and get those results out there so people, um, people are aware of that. What, what, what are you particularly mindful of when you're pre- presenting the results back of uh, you know, the progress within a, in a project? Oh, gosh, what, what are you mindful? Uh, I think... At the outset, what you should get a steer on is how you're going to measure a project, and therefore up front, you ought to have an indication of, of the measurements and the benefits that people are expecting, and ideally some way of kind of kind of quantifying that. Right. Whether it's even you know as the simplest form, it might be it might be customer satisfaction survey, or maybe a satisfaction survey. So you know at the end of a training course or something like that. That could be a measure. In the example of uh, procurement, it could be a cost reduction. If it's a sales project, it could be an increase in sales. Um, and I think what you have to do at the beginning, you agree what are those measures, and then you would you know, present back against those measures. And you might agree certain times when you're checking in, in with the client. Uh, also, you, in, in that process, you involve them as well. Uh, important to get that brief right and make sure you're not overcommitting because uh, – you know, sometimes you know you you can make your work too open ended when uh, and not very efficient and lose money if you're not careful by right. putting lots of resource on on a project. Um, so I think you've got to just be mindful of what you've agreed up front. That's the key thing, and then you you need to be able to have some way of measuring, uh, you know, whether it's through a balanced scorecard or whatever it is, uh, so that at the end of the day your customer. Uh, your clients um, get what they expect. Okay. Um, okay. So when you get to, if you like, the business end of a of a, of a big change project, um, where you're actually get, getting to the stage where you're implementing the change, what? Um, how how do you work with the client to ensure that the implementation, as as the model describes? Uh, is embedded in the organization and becomes just part of what everybody does. Yeah, I think 
the 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 key thing I think is that you've got to make sure that you've dealt with resistance. Right. Uh, I think uh, I think again I think it might have been Cotter. Cotter said something around the fact that you've got to consider that there's nothing more difficult to carry out, uh, nor more doubtful of success or more dangerous to handle than to initiate a new order of things. Because people resist change. Yeah. 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 And I think that's one thing you've got to be careful with. You know, if something new occurs, you've got to make sure people are on board. I mean, I I remember being almost a victim of it, really. It was a, a big major SAP implementation of SAP. Okay. And, you know, people were resisting that for... Uh, you know, for years afterwards. In fact, if I'm completely honest, I left the company because of it, because I right. got fed up with entering data into it uh, when I was uh, <laughs> supposed to be leading an international function. Right. And, and I had to go and put prices and, and, and packs and information into that system, and it was enough for me to leave. Um, but I think you have to be mindful about that resistance. You've got to keep on making sure that people understand the vision and the reason why they're doing it when things get difficult. Yeah. I think you have to provide training and provide support to you know that the sap was a good example to make sure people really do understand uh, what's going on uh i think you have to make sure also you have to do things like uh you know maybe um put these things linked to this change into people's job descriptions put them into their performance reviews so they're they're, you know they're the compensations linked to it in some instances sure that'll um, focus people's minds and make them realize that actually it really is important as an important one john i don't know if you you often see this but often you know leaders might implement something or want something implemented but they're not walking the talk themselves quite do as i say not as i do yeah right Okay, uh, and I think that that is, you know, really, you know, a real kind of challenge. I remember one organisation that I worked with; they um, they decided that the company was all, but you know, very equal, and there was, you know, there was going to be much more equality in the company. And then uh, moved to a new site, and the first thing from the, the directors was, uh, "Where's my car parking space? You know, I need a car parking space at the front of the building." Right. <laughs> So that was an example of not walking the talk, really. Sure. Because they insisted on those in the end. And people all think, well, I thought we were supposed to be equal here. And we weren't going to have those sort of demarcations. And, oh, by the way, why, why are they, they still at the top of the building in their special suite when we're talking about equality? It didn't kind of... And culture change. Culture change, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think um, we talked about short wins. We've, you know, we've got to recognize and reward people as well. You know, for people for doing a great job, because these change projects are hard. So... And that buys people in when people are getting thanked and, you know, back, back patting and that sort of thing. Um, and I thought so, also in the change, John, you've got to re- identify those people who are really resisting it. Uh, and you've got to do something about them. Now, how do you, how do you go about doing it? I mean, back, back to the, it's all about the people. How do you identify who are the, you know, what, I'm sure there's different terminology for them in, in different parts of the world, but the mood hoovers, mm-hmm. uh, the fun sponges, the ones who are always going to see the dark side of any change project and about, you know, it's perfectly okay the way we do it, mm-hmm. the way we do it now, what was, what's wrong with the old way. How do you go about identifying those people? And then how do you go about getting them on side? Well, I, th- I think some of them identify themselves. Right. Uh, I think some of them you should listen to because sometimes they they see problems in things that you're not maybe seeing yourself. Right. <clears throat> so I think it actually doesn't help to to really listen to some of those people. But if it's not 
helpful. It might be that, you know, there's some self-interest in there, uh, for example. So what I mean by self-interest is I'm um, initiating one change, could not get uh, this uh, um, this marketing director in a company to change an agency, uh, which is a part of a, um, a change process to... Um, to, to, to get some really great marketing agencies into this business. And it turned out that the reason why was because they'd just taken him to the World Cup final. Oh, right. And, okay. Uh, so there's self-interest in there. Right. Uh, you also, you know, some people just don't trust you. Uh, so you've got to make sure you build in, you know, trust into the process. Um, and some people have just got completely different views of the world. And sometimes you've got to talk to them and, and, and admit yours is different. But explain the higher purpose to them. And of course, though, there are some people who just don't have any tolerance or a lower tolerance to change. Sure. Uh, so you've got to recognize those people. It's in their nature, in their DNA, and try and try and coax them through it. Uh, of course, again, if there's job risk, then that gets a bit harder too, which is another whole area that you've got to manage. Well, absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, so sometimes happens. Yeah. Have you, have you got examples of, um, of where... You know, people's people have thought that they are that the the jobs are personally under threat, or the way they do the jobs are under threat. How do you uh, how how do you go about ensuring that, that as far as possible you've got the majority of people on side? Well, I think you have to be. Well, that's a really interesting one. Is how uh, in the in the change process, how open are you about that? And there are some companies who maybe you you can't always share everything. Uh, sure. Then, if, the, if if there's nobody is at risk, then and it's not a, it's not about jobs, then you, you you need to communicate that up front. It's not this is not about um, going to have any impact on people's job roles, or or you've got to be honest and say it might have some impact, but you know we'll do the best to mitigate. Or, um, but I think you've got to manage that as part of your communication process, and of course communication is important. Sure. Um, sometimes you just sometimes though. You know, a change can be very disruptive, and it can impact people's lives. Uh, but the bigger picture is the company becomes more stable, enables uh, you know people to uh, to benefit. Businesses are about people, about giving them jobs and employment and helping customers. But sometimes it's essential to the survival of the organisation that these big decisions are made. So um, you know, we've been involved in projects where people have have lost jobs in the past. Sure. Not so much around engagement, what we do now, which is quite nice, but certainly some of the, the procurement initiatives I've been involved in and some of the change projects around organisational structure and then those, they have involved people. You need a good HR function as well. Work very close with them to make sure that process is managed and communicated well. Sure, sure. And, and with some of the big projects that you've been uh, involved with and, and, have, and have helped to execute in various businesses, if you were to look back on one that had been very successful and one that hadn't been successful, what would be the uh, what would be the key reasons why you, what's the difference between failure and success in your experience? Uh, that's a good question. That one um, that's putting me on the spot uh, with that one. You don't have to you don't have to name names. No. <laughs> <laughs> a I say a very successful one. Um, let me think now. I think that you know what one one comes to mind from uh, my uh, my days working in um, it's a bit of food company where what we did is we centralised procurement mm-hmm. uh, and I think that was a, a difficult process for people in different markets to uh, to understand. You've got language barriers as well, 
uh, and you've got you were there's a risk that you were going to lose local knowledge by centralizing procurement but what we had to do was to really educate people bring them to, to bring, bring them together about what the purpose of this was and actually make sure that in that process we didn't lose the local knowledge so it might have been administered by people like me leading a function internationally whereas you had local managers right uh, leading it uh, but we you know we had to manage that with people locally and i think overall that process worked really well and the relationships with the different regions were managed very well that's certainly what we felt from head office <laughs> whether that was really the truth i don't know okay. um, but i think communication was was, was <clears throat> important with that one um, i had one project which i would say if i look back on my career which didn't go so well and um, we'd done a lot of big uh, procurement projects my time in a procurement consultancy which had gone really really well we saved a lot of money for people people were very happy on the whole but we had one in particular where um, there was lots of different factory sites and although the the, the board were very clear about what we were doing uh, the factory sites had lots and lots of power and they weren't really buying in and they weren't buying they weren't buying in either to us as consultants being paid so okay. they were doing everything they could to minimize what we got paid. So we were putting hours and hours of work in, and we were uncovering opportunity to save cost, and we were delivering that. And then we would have a site say, well, actually, you know, here's a, let- a note. That we thought about this three years ago. So actually, wow. you don't get paid on that. Oh, okay. And I think that was really, really hard because we were adding a lot of value, but we weren't getting um, paid for it. And, you know, I found when I left that that project that I got a call from one of the company directors who'd since left and said, look, Chris, you know, you need to just be aware that there was a policy in the company not to pay you. Wow. So I, so I guess so that's a great was, example of self-interest getting in the way of, a, of the company's objectives. Uh, yeah. And I, I'd actually been saying for about a year to my, my colleagues, we need to get out of this project. And one of the, one of my uh, colleagues who set it up initially, who was uh, the most senior part, person in the business was uh, very adamant that we shouldn't. And, uh, we we fought over it for quite some time, and he ultimately blamed me in terms of poor management for it not going well. But I would uh, I would say we had a shared responsibility. I still believe it. Ten years, ten years, twelve years later. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a that's a great example. Um, a lot of pain that was. I'll bet. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, so well, we've covered a lot of ground really in the last uh, forty five fifty minutes. We've we've talked about uh, what strategic change is all about. The part that um, consultants can play in, in adding value to clients and, and helping to deliver these big projects, which, you know, we, we, we also talked about the companies that have, uh, have not adapted quickly and, and the fate that's befallen them compared to some of the go-ahead companies where change is, is all part of, uh, just part of their DNA. Um, and then we talked about what a good consultant's qualities are and what they can bring to the party. So in kind of summary, Chris, what final sort of messages would you like to leave uh, the listeners with, um, sort of gems of, of, of wisdom around this whole area of strategic change and, and, and consultancy? What, what would be the, the key points for you to summarize? I think the key points would be that change is all around us and we, we have to be mindful if, as, a, as if we're employees in a company that today there aren't many places that are completely secure and, and uh, and and don't shift and move and need us to adjust to change. And it can seem tiring. It can seem tiring when you're a bit, bit older. But the reality today is the world's moving so fast. You've got to adapt. You've got to you've got to move. But I think one of the the key things about whether a change project is successful or not is around it is around communication and it's around right. 
It's around having the emotional intelligence to uh, really um, help people through that process and journey. So actually, for most people, it's a positive experience and an engaging experience rather than one that feels put upon them and negative. And I think you have to you have to work hard on that and you have to find the people who are real champions who will, will help move a project forward and support you. Uh, but also you've got to be mindful of those who are finding it harder, understand, listen to them and try and try and help them. I think also it helps around people styles as well. If you understand people styles to be able to adapt the way you are to, you know, different uh, people. But um, and how, would, how, would you, how would you best identify those styles yeah. just in summary? I think in summary, um, you know, there are people who are highly creative, big right. picture. Uh, and, uh, you know, the heads are quite in the clouds. You've got people who are very people orientated Often they're quite expressive, and uh, and you'll be able to have a good, engaging conversation with them. Um, and uh, then you'll have people who are very uh, grounded and are more operational and need, need often need direction, but are good at getting things done in the day. And then you've got other people who are um, more you know detailed and structured and need detail. And each of those people, some need the big picture, some need to are concerned about people, or they have an orientation around. Um, you know, around uh, you know, when are we going to do things and some need to know about, about how. A bit beyond the scope of this, we're kind of running out of time, I think, yeah. uh, now. But hopefully that gives some sort of sense, John, about what is, you know, really involved in these sorts of projects. No, Chris, that's been an absolutely fascinating walk through. Uh, I think we've probably only scratched the surface, really, about strategic change and consultancy and, and the value that consultancy, um, you know, a skilled consultant can add to the... Uh, to, to, the, to the party so big thanks I hope everybody's enjoyed listening to that and I'll hand back to you just to, to close the program yeah, down absolutely so if you want to so next week's show it's uh, in America it's Thanksgiving and um, so we'll be have repeating. a happy Thanksgiving everybody yeah, absolutely to do have a great Thanksgiving uh, enjoy that I think I think this show will probably get repeated as a consequence for that and then we've got uh, Matthew Pollard who's a, a really great guy he's a guru on business growth he's joining me on the show on the 1st of December uh, if you want to find out more about the show uh, you want to contact us you can go to www.chriscooper.co.uk you can contact me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk or john at chriscooper.co.uk uh, I hope you find some value in that uh, conversation and I wish you well it's a, it's a great thing being involved in change projects it's, uh, it's also a great thing hard work but great fun being a, a consultant as well so uh, we'll leave that with you. If we can help you with any of your change projects, particularly around engagement, uh, do get in touch with us. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.